Right-wing extremist materials found alongside a huge cache of weapons in Quebec. The town of Hearst is haunted by sexual assault permitted by the Catholic Church. The Canada Pension Fund boosts its shares in Tesla and Telecom. Veteran services outsourced to private companies and Indigenous leader assassinated in Ecuador. Good morning. It's Friday, March 3rd. I'm Nora and here are your headlines. First to Vaudreuil-Dorion, a community just outside of Montreal. The RCMP has given the public an update related to a massive gun seizure that happened three months ago. Jordan and Joshua Madden have been arrested with many gun-related crimes. Police found 37 firearms, pieces of firearms, military accessories, 10,000 munitions, and 200 high-capacity magazines. The story would be alarming on its own, but there's a sentence in the Canadian press story that makes it far worse. Not only did the RCMP find this massive stash of firearms and munitions, but they also found far-right hateful material. But that's the only mention of the connection to the far-right in the story, a single sentence. It ends shortly after that mention, saying that the men were using both illegal platforms and legal international companies to sell weapons in Canada illegally. While I doubt we'll hear much more about the men's connection to the far right, it is something to keep our eye on for sure. Next is news from the Radio-Canada show Enquête. They have a horrible and disturbing investigation into abuse that was perpetuated within the Catholic Diocese of Hearst. Hearst is a small community that is northeast of Capuscasing in northern Ontario. Its remoteness and the fact that it remained a French community within a sea of English made it particularly vulnerable to the systemic abuse that the diocese allowed to continue for decades. Enquête interviewed dozens of people to establish that at least 10 priests were sexual abusers and also at least two diocesan volunteers. They found 40 or so victims, many who they quote directly about the circumstances that left them vulnerable to the abuse. Hearst is tiny. In 2016, only 5,000 people there, and the abuse looms large over many of the people who still live in the community. Many of the priests named in the story are still active within the diocese, which now stretches up to Moussigny. The report focuses at the start on a place called Maison Arc-en-Ciel, and one of the very active volunteers who worked at this place named Giseline Plour. Maison Arc-en-Ciel was a detox facility that was run for children and adults aged 12 to 24 by the diocese. The story starts with the stories of abuse that men explain they experienced when they were boys living at Maison Arc-en-Ciel, and how there was no way for them to speak out about the abuse, because the church had total power over them. René Poirier founded the Maison Arc-en-Ciel in 1980. He was eventually found out after someone made a complaint and religious authorities intervened. In 1983, Poirier was sent to the United States for therapy, and two weeks later, he was back in Canada. He was then sent to the parish of Chapleau. Chapleau is only a couple of hours out of Hearst. He led a Boy Scout camp there tied to the diocese. After Enquête interviewed the bishop of the Diocese of Hearst de Moussigny, Pierre-Olivier Tremblay, all of the priests and volunteers named in the story 
had been removed from their functions. I encourage you, if you have the stomach for it, to read the investigation. It is in French, so fingers crossed that CBC picks it up if you need to read it in English. Now, changing gears entirely, news from Gary Ng at a website called iPhone in Canada reports on changes in the portfolio owned by the Canada Pension Plan Insurance Board. The Canada Pension Plan Insurance Board has sold off 85% of its stake in Apple in quarter four. In return, they picked up shares in several electronic vehicle companies, notably Tesla. It increased its stake in Tesla by 160%. That, if you're curious, brings them to holding just under 1 million shares in the company. They also increased their stake in NIO and Li Auto, two Chinese electric car companies. The final notable share purchases made in quarter four were 1.3 million shares of TELUS Corporation, 1.04 million shares in Rogers Communications, Inc., and nearly 900,000 shares in BCE, Inc. This means that our public pension relies on us paying high cell phone bills to maintain the growth of its funds so we can all get a pension. Who says capitalism isn't efficient? No, wait. That's highly inefficient. Anyway, I bet you didn't really need to find out that your pension is enriching Elon Musk, did you? Two other national news now. The Public Service Alliance of Canada and the Union of Veteran Affairs employees are demanding that Canada reverse a decision to privatize health services for veterans. In November, the government contracted out all medical and psychosocial vocational assistance services to a company called Partners in Canadian Veterans Rehabilitation Services, reports Catherine Morrison for the Ottawa Citizen. Now, who owns the company Partners in Canadian Veterans Rehabilitation Services? Well, if I were to ask you to guess, I bet you would randomly come up with the right answer. It's a joint venture between an employment firm called WCG International Consultants LTC, okay, that one may have been hard to guess, and Lifemark Health Group. Lifemark is owned by Loblaws. The deal is worth $570 million. The president of the Union of Veterans Affairs Employees, Virginia Vaillancourt, said that it's been a disaster for case managers and service providers have been put out of work as a result of the deal. Vets have been left with no rehab services as the implementation of the new program has been delayed for months. The Assistant Deputy Minister to Veterans Affairs Canada, Stephen Harris, said that the unions are not being accurate in how they talk about the program. He said that services are still being delivered in a timely manner. While I don't have time to search into whether or not this is true, I do know that unions don't tend to demand an entire program be scrapped if it is working well. So take that for what it's worth. And finally, Eduardo Mendua, a member of the Confederation of Indigenous Nationalities of Ecuador, has been assassinated. Democracy Now! reports that he was shot 12 times by two men wearing hoods while he was at his home in the town of Durano. It's believed that Mendua's murder is linked to the community resistance to expanding oil drilling in the region of Sucumbios. The company overseeing that project is Ecuador's state-owned oil company, PetroEcuador. I'll leave you here with the words of Mandua from January 2023. Quote, we invite all the organizers that can join us because our struggle is not only to conserve the forest. The climate crisis is affecting us and it is evident what is happening worldwide. 
To conserve the forest is to conserve for the common good of all people. Those are your headlines for Friday, March 3rd. I'm Nora, and I I can't believe it's already Friday. Please share this podcast with everybody you know. If you like it and you like listening to it, share it on your socials, share it in email, get your cranky uncle to listen to it. We'd really appreciate the boost and the help. And because it's Friday, you can check out at my Substack a rundown of all of the stories from this week if you happen to miss an episode. Have a great weekend.